you're listening to episode 65 of Daisy Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chibber, and we are recording on Monday, December 20th. Yay! I know, look at us. We're doing uh, so well. <laughs> it's because all of those, everything's coming out and we want to talk about it. I know, we weren't even going to do this episode, and then after the last episode of Wheel of Time, I was like, we need to talk about this. It's just like, <laughs> honestly, I feel like I need to do an episode after each episode, but like, that's too much. But like, because so much is happening, these episodes are so well done. So, um, yes, yeah, so I was like, okay, let's do a interim episode on this, on Wheel of Time and Hawkeye too, we're going to talk about Hawkeye because there was a lot that happened in the first five episodes of the show. <laughs> like, in, like five sixths of the show turns out a lot yeah. happens. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and and so very briefly at the top for not a ton of news happening. I mean, I'm sure there is, but not a ton of news We've that we yeah all, it, so. we didn't write it down, but. Uh, obviously, the big one is Spider-Man No Way Home came out. Neither one of us has seen it. I am nope. crossing my fingers that I will get to see it tomorrow at the drive-in. Um, but otherwise, uh... yeah, it might just be a, like we wait until on Disney Plus, unfortunately. I mean, so Eternals came out in November and will yeah. be on Disney Plus in January. Okay, that's not so bad. So February, March. For, so for Spider-Man is my guess. And yeah, yeah, and if it's available beforehand to like pay to rent, but not on Disney Plus, like I will definitely do that. Yeah, that also sounds so. good. So we'll we'll figure that out. But that conversation is forthcoming, obviously. Yes. Um, and then the other thing is just our schedule for the rest of the year as there's 11 days left. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible, but it's true. Time is fake. Um we will have at least one more episode because mm-hmm. of the Hawkeye and Wheel of Time finales, as well as Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett is coming yes. out. Why on? Yeah, why? It, Just stop. December like 30th? 29th? 29th? 30th? 28th, rough. 29th, or 30th, like the end of the year. Rough stuff for those of us who cover pop culture. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, maybe The Matrix which Depending is coming on out if on the we 20th. get it watched because mm-hmm. there is so much content right now. And we would love to talk about The Witcher 2, but I have no idea when I'm even going to get it watched. So that's going to be a January discussion. Yeah, because I've watched – that's in my – that's in my what are we doing right now because okay, I, okay. I watched the first episode. Um, or not The Witcher 2, The Witcher Season 2. Yeah, Witcher Season 2. I got, I got you. I got you. Um, and so, yeah, more to come there mm-hmm. because, again, everything – that we have been waiting mm. for is coming out within like four weeks of each other. Yes. And it's a lot to take the time to be able to watch and play and read and all of those things. And mm. so just more, more of listening to us talk about stuff, yes. I guess. <laughs> yes. Um, we may as well get right into it though. I don't. Yeah. So let's start with Hawkeye. Okay. Cause I feel like that's going to be a faster discussion. I, uh, do I think. Again, like you were saying, five episodes out of the six that we're getting, the fifth episode is really what made me love it. Yes, I agree. Um, I ha- I said on a previous on our previous podcast, and that I wasn't like I have been hot and cold on Gen- Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. There are times where I really like him mm-hmm. in the role, and there are times where I'm just like, ugh, he is not well cast. Um, <laughs> And for the first part of the the series, I was just like, ugh, ugh. And this episode, actually, I was like, okay, okay. Like, I am, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I, I'm, I'm liking him a little better. I'm liking him in the role a little better. Like, I feel like something meshed. The, 
the writing just like the writing really like I don't know if he wrapped his head around the writing, the writers wrapped their head around him. I'm not sure, but something clicked for me with him in this role in this episode. I think what worked really well for me, honestly, was bringing in Yelena Mm -hmm. from Black Widow because I think Florence Pugh is a much, much needed breath of fresh air to the MCU. She is, I, she made Black Widow such an enjoyable watch because she is a, she is a himbo. She is, she is awesome. She's so funny. I think she is perfectly, like, perfectly represented represented by the moment where Kate Bishop comes into her apartment in the fifth episode, and you see Yelena walk in from the shadows, and she goes, Kate Bishop. Hi! Yes! <laughs> yes. That that was the scene for me that I was like, oh, I love this show. Oh, yeah. okay, yes, I'm I'm all the way in. It's so basically we haven't talked about it really at all in terms of like what it actually is, but it's set you know kind of after Endgame, after all of those things. Um, where is it in the timeline with regards to Loki and Scarlet Witch? I don't know. Do we know? I don't think we know. We're not 100% sure, right? I mean, it's Christmas, obviously, yeah. because it's a it's it's a hol- it's essentially a very long holiday movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um and so Hawkeye is in New York. It's the introduction of Kate Bishop by mm-hmm. uh played by Haley Stanfield and I liked her a lot in this episode. I have yes. my frustration with how they are presenting her in the earlier yeah. part of the series. We'll get into that. Um and so there is this mystery happening with sort of Kate's family with her mom, who I am, I very, is the bad guy. Like, she's got to be the bad guy, yeah. obviously. And her soon-to-be potentially stepfather, Jack. There's, like, murder and intrigue. And she pulls uh, Hawkeye into it because she steals his Ronin suit and picks that stuff all up again. And it's all a big mess. Yes. That's, that's sort of stopping Clint from getting home to spend the holidays with his family. Yes. It's a comedy of errors in that sense, which is actually like kind of a lot of fun. Yes. Um, so, um, Haley, let's start with Haley Steinfeld. Sure. Um, as I think she's really good. I really yes. like her. Agreed. I do. I love Kate Bishop. Every, I mean, we all love Kate Bishop. Also true. Um, let's talk about your frustrations. I think where I was getting frustrated, which has is I'm glad I waited to talk about it because I do think it's gotten better in yeah. the fifth episode, is that it felt very much that unlike, you know, when they introduced someone like Spider-Man, who is in a similar place that Kate was, which is like on the cusp. Of, he's like sort of trying to be a hero on his own, like trying to figure out how he like exists on his own. And then this mentor comes in and guides him. Peter obviously messes up but he Mm -hmm. messes up in a way that is fully understandable fully relatable you part of it is because he was not given the information he should have been given like all these things Kate it felt like they were consistently having her mess up in a way that I was like I just want to see her be super competent like you're telling me she's competent but you keep showing me like where she makes bad decisions for both comedic effect and so like Hawkeye can be irritated yeah, so one of the things I do love about Kate Bishop in the comics is she calls herself Hawkeye, and she just kind yeah. of, like, calls herself, she's like, I'm Hawkeye now. Yes, Bye, bitches. and it's awesome. And it's because she is uber competent, and she's really good, and so that's why she, like, okay, you're Hawkeye. 
Um, and so we're not, we're, this is more of a Kate Bishop origin story rather than Kate Bishop being super competent. And like, are you like, arguably she is really good. She's just bumbling. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I, and I completely agree with you here. Like she, they, they don't show us the com- like uber competence. They just show us the bumbling Yes, in a lot of cases. And, um, it that that is frustrating because like it's like why do you make like making the female introducing this female character who's well loved and then making her like trip over her own feet all the time yeah yeah it was just like really like like why it seemed unnecessary for to spend it felt like they spent an inordinate amount of time doing that yes and that's that's fine like if you want to make her a little like a little bit like that but like you don't spend more time on that than you do convincing us that she's a really exactly um, like, well, like, like, competent archer, you know, yes. person. Yes. Um, but so, yeah, no, I do agree with you. That got much better in episode five. And she, like, really came to Hawkeye's rescue, um, which was very cool. Awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought, I think um, another aspect we haven't really addressed is, like, Hawkeye's, like, there has been some speculation that maybe Hawkeye's wife, which I don't even know her name. I don't, like, I don't even remember Linda Cardellini playing Linda, play by Linda I, Cardellini. I don't, I don't remember know her name. Her this name. is how much of a non-entity his wife is. Oh my god! Like the, her, like her, like her, um, her pers- entire persona. Laura. Is Laura. Okay. Her yeah. name is her, Laura. Her entire persona is just like supportive wife. Yes. Like I understand what you have to do. I understand. Yes. But there are hints that there might be more going on here. Um, with her. So there has been some speculation, like, with the watch. The whole thing with the watch. Yeah, I'm very curious about that. Okay, so the, 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 um, the bottom line about the watch is it's some sort of watch, Rolex watch, that was in the rubble of the Avengers compound. Right. the rubble of the Avengers compound. And Hawkeye and Laura are very, like, Jeremy Renner, Clinton, Laura are very concerned about this watch. This watch specifically. And I don't get the sense, and you can tell me if you think you're wrong that this is because it endangers like a larger avengers thing this is, feels personal for them like they need this watch i don't know why i just assumed it was one of tony's watches like i just assumed it was like there's one of tony's to, iron man watches there's something to it might be okay it might be like it's very possible but like i got the sense that there was something more personal with them like endangering them endangering something like the, with the way the ronin suit is yeah, yeah 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 similarly maybe I hope very, so. Like, why would like I agree with you, but then like, why would Hawkeye specifically and his wife care so much about this? No, watch? you're right. Because why not just bring? I guess there's no one really to bring in because Shield is, yeah, whatever. Although it's Sword now, I guess. But who does he know at Sword? Yeah, and we know the head of Sword is a dick. So, yeah. so we like, oh, and we, we yeah, and we don't we don't really know what resources they have in this time. We yeah, don't know what's true. going on. Um, but it seems like and for Hawkeye to get involved with his family, it has to be personal and exposing his yeah family. that's true so that's the that's the vibe i've gotten from it and so there's been some speculation that maybe um linda cardellini has a superhero identity or a superhero past that huh. lore um like people have like is she mockingbird yeah what? I <laughs> sorry i just so, made like, a face. mockingbird <laughs> has been introduced in the in this all technically in agents of shield yeah but they like to be like agents like, of shield isn't canon and yeah like, why like, I, so so they, there is room for her to be introduced um, well, i'd be sad to see someone who's not adrian Palicki. Palicki. yeah play. she's really she's good. so good as mockingbird um 
But there have been, okay, so there's a mystery around this watch. I don't know. There, that has been internet speculation. That is not my speculation. I do think there's something weird about this watch, and I'm really curious to see where they take that in the final episode. They have I, it now, right? They took it from Echo's apartment. and I so, don't remember. I can't remember it because then they end up in that fight with yeah. Yelena, and now I don't know who has it. But I, the watch, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. But, I, um, can, can we talk about Echo? Yeah, yeah. I love her. I love her so much. This is the actress's um, Alakwa Cox. It's her first role, I think, oh, wow. right? In like her first big role. Yeah, no, it's her first role. Oh wow. Okay. As Maya Lopez, like she's she's really good. So good. Um, I I genu- I can't believe this is her very first thing. I I mean I know it, but it's she's so I think. For me right now, outside of Yelena, who is obviously not the focus of the series, she is the, like, most compelling aspect of this. I agree. And one thing I really like about her, and it just wouldn't work if she wasn't so good, is that she, this show is turning us on our head. Because you want Clint to protect his family, you want him to, but, like, the like he killed a bunch of people with dark. No, no. I'm glad they're like, dealing with Ronan. Like it's terrible. His legacy is terrible. Horrible. He did terrible things, horrible crimes. And like this is like a situation where it's turned around and like despite the fact that you're like, Oh, I want I want, you know, Clint to be able to protect his family, you're like, Oh no, oh no, you absolutely deserve what she is doing to you. Yep. And you deserve to have your comeuppance. And I really, really like I, d- I wonder how much because they they sort of wrote themselves into a bit of a spot because they can't truly make Clint pay for his war crimes. No, no, they can't. So they've introduced this thing in the fifth episode, which is the other big big thing and the big reason yes. we decided to talk about it. Yeah. Um, throughout the series, they've been referencing the big guy, and they don't yeah. mean the Hulk, who is also no. the big guy. Uh, and of course, all of us were like, please be Kingpin, please be Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. Yes. And so we find out in the fifth episode that Ronan was leaked, like somebody leaked the information about um, Echo's father mm-hmm. and his tracksuit mafia mm-hmm. to Ronan from the inside because the big guy wanted them taken down. So yeah. we have someone to blame who isn't Clint, even though Clint still murdered a bunch of people um and it is of course actually kingpin it is actually vincent d'onofrio it is actually wilson fisk and so what i i'm really sad this did not come out in april this show episode because like my idea was going to be having you and paul montgomery oh my god oh comics episode about wilson fisk on like they they see your girls and just don't address it do like a full episode on like talking about Wilson Fisk oh my god that would be amazing wouldn't that be fun but like it's like it's a little too far away but we might still do it if um (laughs) you know if 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 we're still talking about Wilson Fisk I know if if for no other reason than to get Paul on here doing his his wonderful Wilson Fisk yeah my best friend Leland Owlsley (laughs) oh my god um (laughs) It's, uh, yes, but anyway, so, uh, and that's like, that's been, that's, that, that is a, we know that, um, Kevin Feige confirmed that Matt, that, that, um, that Charles Cox is Matt Murdock. 
Yeah. In, if Daredevil, what did he say? If Daredevil were to come into the MCU, it would be Charlie Cox. Yes. Yeah, right. So like all a lot of hedging bets, but with the introduction of Wilson Fisk, and I think there were rumors that like that like Jessica Jones is going to be in the She-Hulk series. That would be awesome. Yeah, I think there are rumors. Um, I think there there are rumors surrounding all these actors beyond um, you know Iron Fist because psh, no one's bringing him into anything. <laughs> Um, or at least I haven't heard. I don't know. I haven't heard them. No, but I like, don't think so. I don't. I, I don't so. think that's gonna happen. Like, <laughs> God. But um, I think there are rumors that like they're gonna bring, which would be wonderful because besides him, they was they were all so well cast, so good, so well cast, and like I know that people are worried about because the Netflix series had such a dark tone, and would Disney commit to maintaining that dark tone? for these characters because they are of a different sort of um, background than some of our Marvel heroes. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to see what they're willing to do with Oscar Isaac's Moon Knight series because Moon Knight is not a superhero for the faint of heart. Like he's, he's pretty fucked up, man. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, And I'm really excited to see what Wilson Fisk does. Oh my God. Because that's a he's such a good villain. He's in in the MC, and they, introducing him into the MCU opens up a lot of potential yes. um, for storytelling. Because um, not that he wasn't like I, I don't like not that he wasn't in the MCU before, but like introducing him into this. I, I we we don't know what the status of those Netflix shows is in terms of canon or not. Um, and partial, yeah. I think, <laughs> like, who knows? Who but knows? like introducing him this way, like because it gives. It gives them an on-the-ground villain because it seems like a lot of the villains of the MCU are getting more and more like bigger cosmic, bigger cosmics, philosophical, yeah. like time. You know, like there's a lot, but this gives them like an on-the-ground villain to yeah. like for for multiple levels of superhero. Can I you guess. imagine like when when Far From Home ended? I wrote up a list for sci-fi that was like the the five villains I want to see in the next Spider-Man movie. And the number one, like I'm pretty sure I put Kingpin at the top because I would I would die to watch Tom Holland's Spider-Man go up against Vincent D'Onofrio's mm-hmm. Kingpin. Like mm-hmm. I think it would make for such a massively interesting back and forth mm-hmm. in in the way that like why Spider-Man and Kingpin work as villains opposite or work as a hero villain like relationship in the comics because they're so like there's a darkness to both daredevil and kingpin Mm -hmm. that i love obviously and i love the first two seasons of daredevil are so good but watching these diametrically like opposed things would be so cool yeah yeah no i agree absolutely agree i want it so bad I'm trying to think, is there anything else that we haven't talked about with Hawkeye? We'll definitely yeah. come back and revisit the last episode. Yeah, well, I think when I think it's going to be, a, whatever happens in episode six is going to be big. I'm very much looking forward to seeing Vincent D'Onofrio back on screen as Kingpin. I would like to point out, which I've said on Twitter, I am like 100% sure that Vincent D'Onofrio told me this was going to happen. Yes. Because in 2018 or 2019, I tweeted something about Kingpin doing this monologue if he ever comes to Disney Plus or to Disney, and D'Onofrio favorited that two-year-old tweet this year, and I was yeah. like, "Buddy, are you yeah. are you yeah. trying to tell me something?" So, 100 yeah. percent convinced he is. Oh yeah, but 
I am, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's a very uneven series. Yes. That grew better as it went on and maybe suffered a little bit from pacing because mm-hmm. of- Suffered a lot from being compared to the source material in my book. Yes. source material is so good. Yes. Um, but I also think it shows so far what the potential is for sort of having, like you were saying, these on the ground stories, which the MCU has really pulled away from and to sort of to its detriment a little Mm -hmm, bit, mm -hmm. um, because they've gotten so big and I miss those, I miss the on the ground stories. Yeah, I do too. I, I really do too. I miss, you know, just because galactic crime is happening doesn't mean local crime stops happening you know like do you remember when the first season of daredevil dropped there is this like comment about the guy with the hammer and everybody was like this is awesome like it is a it is recognizing these big things are happening but it's still giving us Mm -hmm. like so much of what we love about reading the comics Mm -hmm. and that's that's like one of your actually complaints about the mcu spider-man it's that he's supposed to be a friendly neighborhood spider-man And putting him, involving him so heavily in the MCU actually takes that away. Yeah, it pulls something that was so wonderful about Homecoming does very much get lost in the bigger, in, in Far From Home, in, in well, I mean, again, have not. I am very much looking up, like forward to No Way Home and I know I'm going to really enjoy it. Um, but one of the things you love about Spider-Man is just on the ground. Is Peter Parker being his like New York Spider-Man? Like that is something I am I'm very much, especially now that we kind of know there are going to be more Spider-Man yeah. stories from Marvel, um, from the MCU. Like at least, I don't know if I'm making this up, but I, th- I, I want to say it was three this, more. But... Well, because for a minute, Tom Holland came out and did this interview and was like, this is really sad. And everyone's like, including me, I was like, oh my God, they're going to pull like a Bendis Ultimate Spider-Man and they're going to kill Peter Parker. They're going to kill mm-hmm. him and I'm going to be upset. But I get it because we all thought this is the last movie. Sony yeah. and Marvel would agree to. But then I think the news dropped a couple weeks ago that they're going to do more Spider-Man, okay. which is great because it opens the door to like my favorite Pete, which is, you know, doesn't have a shit together kind of like mid twenties Pete. Although this will likely be college. Mm-hmm. It also opens the door for like the mentorship with miles. Like, so we'll see. I'm, I'm looking forward to like what, if they pull away from Spider-Man being so heavily entrenched in the other MCU stuff and pull him back down to earth a little bit, like, which hopefully like knock on wood, We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting. Like, and like, yeah, I did read something about he was like, well, Sony will loan me to Marvel as many, you know, it's a yeah. discussion between them. Like, it's kind of a, you know, per movie I'm- thing. And I wonder <laughs> if, I wonder if it was in limbo until Into the Spider-Verse did so well and Sony was like, okay, we'll keep Miles Morales since Maybe. we're doing, you know, and then like, who knows. I don't know. I do hope that anytime we need him to, Tom Holland can cry on the phone to Bob Iger and just like, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's true. It's Take true. one for the team, buddy. It's true. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think that's all I have for Hawkeye slash Kingpin. Yes. So let's jump over to Wheel of Time and we're going to get straight into spoilers. So yes. there will be a spoiler note. Um, okay. So Wheel of Time, episodes five and six? Six, six and seven. Six and seven. Okay. Um, yeah, a lot happened. Wow. 
Yeah, um, so we're, we're doing The Flame of Tarvalin, which was mm-hmm. written by Justine Jewel Gilmer, and The Dark Along the Way is written by Amanda Kate Schumann and Catherine B. McKenna. Yes. Um, so the like show fundamentally shifted in these last two episodes. Yeah. Um, they were all trying to get to the White Tower. I think when we last when we last recorded, because I remember I was saying, I hope they don't take too long to get there. And then the very next episode, they got there. <laughs> now so, they're there. <laughs> very glad, very glad that like we got to see we got to see them all together for a br- at least for a brief time. Yep. Um, and the these new relate these old relationships developing, the new relationships developing, and um, they're really becoming their own little like. Sorry, I don't mean to keep comparing this to Lord of the Rings, but they really are becoming their own little fellowship. It's and I, fine. I, I really love it. I love it. Um, I do. I like, I like like found family and camaraderie yeah. and like, you know, liking each other and enjoying each other's company and like, you know, banding together to fight evil and stop darkness. And that's what this is. So, but let's dive into it. Um, I'm not sure how we want to do this. Do we want to just kind of pick out the top main topics? If you want a spoilery discussion, the spoilery with books, remember to listen to uh, Preeti's Wheel of Time podcast, Tarvalent or Bust. Yes, because you, they are reading the books, and so they will spoil the books we to a certain will. amount. Along yeah, not not past what we have currently read, and we are up to the Shadow Rising. We just finished, which is the fourth book in the series. Um, but everything prior to that is open. So Tarval and Bus, we're doing very very book spoilery conversations about the show. So okay, let's talk about Landon Nynaeve first, because that's like all I can think about. Okay. Yes. I yeah you drive I think what's been fun about this for me is that you're kind of driving this conversation because I want to hear how you're interacting with the show and what questions you have and what thoughts you have yeah so I really like this I relationship I know this relationship has been like hinted at in the books but never really comes to fruition no it does it does does it okay it's just it's the books are just much slower the show has fast forwarded quite a bit and made it far more I, I'm not saying – I think I might have said this last time, but, like, I'm not saying Land does not have a personality in the books. Like, he does. But it's – the moments of visiting him with a personality are few and far between. Yeah. Um. So, okay. I'm just – I don't really have a lot of commentary there. I just really like it. Their relationship is very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then speaking of uh, relationships, Moiraine and the – Sue and Sanch, the Amerlin seat. The Amerlin? Amerlin? Amerlin. I, it's, it's, hey, I'm not going to try to spell it because I can type it, but I don't know if okay. I can spell it. Oh, Amerlin C. Okay. Yeah. Like, I've never, like, I'm like, Amerlin C. I know. Okay, Amerlin is how I say it in my head, which is wrong. They're in a relationship, and you asked Rosamund Pike a little bit about this. I did. I got a chance to interview Rosamund and uh, Hamed Anamishaun, who plays Loyal, who is one of my favorite characters. Um, but Ra- the interview with Rosamund was, I specifically did want to ask her because this is not explicit in the books. They are, it, Jordan kind of went as far as he could, but like, I'm not, I should The books are a product of their time. And I think they're a product of their time. What, 1980s? 1990s. Okay, 1990s. Um, but he, in that way of like, they're just gals being pals, you know, they're mm-hmm. pillow friends. And you're like, okay. But the the basis is there, and it's not too far of a leap to get to here. So I was thrilled to see the show make it completely explicit. Like, in that mm-hmm. scene where they go into that other space, into Suen's old fisherman shack, I, like, my notes were literally like, oh, my God, this is a couple's fight, like, as a joke. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is a couple's fight. Like, they're actually a couple. 
so Rosamond sort of because it's it's heartbreaking their their the way their relationship ends up going because of the fight Mm -hmm. but it's such a great way to show the sacrifice Moiraine is willing to give that Suan is willing to give for the cause they believe in and Rosamond was very thoughtful in the way that she spoke about this relationship and why the show went the way they did and and we'll link to the interview in the show notes because it's it's very very good um but yeah I just I thought it was so smart for the show I, to do. I thought it was a very smart relationship decision. And also that actually that scene answered a lot of my, between them two answered a lot of my questions about the dragon reborn who knows about it. So apparently it's a prophecy, but delivered only to the two of them. Yes. So they're the only ones who know, except for like who Moiraine has told. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are acting on their own within the Aes Sedai. Yes. So none of even their sisters know what's going on. And my question is kind of, is it like, they don't really get into why they decided to keep it secret. Um, and is it just because they don't think that the Aes Sedai will be united behind this quest? Or maybe I, they do and I missed it. Um, no, I, I think it's, I think the show sets up that all the Aes Sedai have their own, like each Aja has their own sort of agenda, mm-hmm. you know? And we see the way the Red Aja treated somebody who called himself the Dragon Reborn. Mm-hmm. Because while that specific prophecy is not known to everybody, that they're the only ones who heard Gitara Sedai give that prophecy, the idea of the wheel being cyclical and a dragon coming back and a dragon right. coming back again and again is one that is that everybody knows. Because yeah, it's, it's just not. This lore, spec- right? The prophecy was a specificity yes. as the birth date and stuff like that. And the fact that it is happening yes. now versus at another time. But if you look at the way they treated um, Loghain, and mm-hmm. ha- Loghain could channel, right? We watched mm-hmm. him channel. He, there was a moment the show let people think he potentially could have been the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. Um, I think they are acting cautiously because the risk is too great should the dragon fall before he can, you know, save save everybody. Yeah, and like, and and if it's a woman it's one thing if it's a man it's yeah gets it's very it's very complicated either way mm-hmm. but um so that answered a lot of my questions in terms of like this prophecy who knows about it and then i want to jump from here unless you have something else to say about no. the scene to matt matt to um we found out that was not channeling although he may be able to we still don't know was not that that wasn't the reason that he was like so sick he had taken a dagger from the like haunted city whatever from Shadar Logoth yeah um he had taken a dagger from um there and it was like feeding on his soul basically which mm-hmm. Moiraine discovered and like sucked the darkness out of him but it's still there and he's still I feel like the way they describe this dagger is a little bit like the one ring like now yes. that he's been exposed to it he's gonna always want it and seek it out yeah, and you know they're supposed to be very careful with him. Um, and that all gets really complicated when they decide to to pass through the, the little ways, the dark mm-hmm. ways, or the ways, and um, Matt stays behind. Yeah, I well, I am wondering because Barney Harris, as we know, has been recast. Matt mm-hmm. is a new actor in the next season. We don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. My 
guess was that he would not be in the last two episodes. And I, I've not seen the finale yet. And so I, but my guess is he's not going to be in it. Mm-hmm. I think it seems like from the outside that maybe they had to do some scrambling or whatever. Cause like in, in the books, Matt is there mm-hmm. the whole time. Matt, okay. like they are all together. Matt is a part of it. And so his, I have my thoughts about where that's going to go in the next season and how easily it would be for them to pull in some of Matt's other storylines. But yeah, it was, that was a, sh- a moment of shock for me yeah. when he gets left out of them going to the ways when he chooses to stay back. I did not expect that. Um, it broke my heart a little bit. Yeah. I was, it, that was very surprising. And then, um, they travel through the ways which is basically like a shortcut is, is yeah. that it it's like a shortcut it's through. like yeah that like time and space exist differently in the ways it's like the, it's like the window between is it the window between the worlds on Star yeah. Wars? yeah 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 it's something like that um basically so, but they travel and so they're very they basically are followed through the ways which doesn't yeah. seem like it should be a, a people should be able to do that. And so there's weird things happening in there, like a rune stone that's supposed to mark the direction they're supposed to go is vandalized. Yep. Um, and Loyal goes with them, which is Loyal. I love Loyal so, which is really but nice. Um, but him, like, is vandalized, just, like, pontificating about like trees and nature. It's like, buddy, I love you. <laughs> and then they're um, they're. Uh, they're they finally make their way through, but on the way, Lan and uh, Moiraine realize they're being followed and they're attacked at one point. Yeah, they see a Trolloc. They mm-hmm. hear Egwene wake Which up. Should, those shouldn't be able they, to pass through. They just shouldn't be in the ways. Okay. Like the, it's it's a big surprise. Um, but Egwene wakes up, hears some whistling, and then a Trolloc appears, mm-hmm. and um. There's a moment Lo- Loyal has said, you cannot channel in the ways because you will attract Machin Shin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, in that scene, we think it's Egwene who accidentally channels and the trough goes flying and then they have to change plans and run because Machin Shin, which is this terrifying black wind, mm-hmm. comes after them. And then um, they end up in like the barrier country, or the barrier, like last barrier kingdom before the, what's the word? The, the blight. The blight, yeah. The yeah. last barrier kingdom before the blight, which turns out that's where Lan's from. Yes, Lan is from Malkir, who, which was, used to be. Oh, yes, yeah. The so he's like one. the prince, basically the prince of like a lost kingdom. He's, they call him the last king of Malkir. Okay. Um, but we find out during the episode that mm-hmm. he has he was taken from the palace from by this family that we meet and brought to um this kingdom um and, yeah and this whole episode was fascinating in a lot of ways there's a lot revealed a lot like a lot of a lot that's revealed in between like spoken stuff like you know yes. you're just you're getting a lot from implications a lot from um you know Moiraine goes to a seer that she knows in the city to Man. try and figure out which is the dragon reborn because the person who's not, it turns out, will be killed. Yes. Will die. The or pe- person or people who aren't the dragon reborn will die on this quest. Um, and that leads us to finding and they it seems like they all have a destiny, they all have a purpose. She is not actually able to tell who is the dragon reborn, but then Rand, who is 
a very powerful channeler, we've come to find out. Turns out. <laughs> and is not a very powerful channeler and does not seem, which we don't know, but because they've not been hinting around this, it's possible he's going mad, but seems pretty, pretty put together. I don't know. Um, so he and Moiraine break off because he convinces her that he is the dragon reborn, even though I don't understand how he convinces, like the voice tells him, the wind tells him in the, in the ways that he is the dragon reborn, but it's telling him what he's afraid of, right? It's not, it's telling him, it's not telling him he's the dragon reborn. I think he has so this is i'm i was very curious about this because so we didn't talk about that shot at the beginning the cold open of episode seven which is yes. one of the coolest things i've ever seen on tv which is this heavily pregnant aisle woman just like kicking ass left and right mm-hmm. um while in labor mm-hmm. that is we find out in the midst of the episode rand's mother yeah because we get all these shots of rand's pov so something i really enjoyed and I thought was a very cool trick that I don't know how well it landed for non-book readers is in the books, perspective is incredibly important. It is a mm-hmm. huge tool that Jordan uses. Rand is the majority of book one. His mm-hmm. POV, it's like Rand, some Perrin, um, and some omniscient for prologues and things like that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that book is entirely Rand POV, and that's mm-hmm. how we get so much of what's going on. It's where we see, like, these these slips into potential madness. It's where we see all these, like, sort of reasons for why he he is or would be the dragon. I still actually don't know what the show is going to do. Like, they mm-hmm. might bait and switch us in the last episode, but by giving us new shots. So the scene in the ways when Egwene, we think it's Egwene channeling, is cut mm-hmm. differently. Like literally it's a limited shot versus what we see from Rand's perspective when he remembers the same shot. We see more of his face and we see his channeling. Mm-hmm. And I think the show is using that to play with POV in the same way Jordan did, which I think is really fucking cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I of course don't know that the books do that, but I am already picking up that the perspective of who we're seeing things from is very important. Right? Oh, that's so cool. I know that, like, I was wondering if it was going to feel like a retcon. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's my question, because yeah. a lot of a lot of this episode was just, like, me drinking in facts and, yes. like, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, that Knowing that Rand, that is Rand's birth story, like, that is, he's, you know, not originally from the Two Rivers, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Why is that important in terms of him being the dragon reborn, I guess, is my question. So the prophecy said that the child was born in the mountains of Dragon or whatever it is, right? Okay. Um, We we know the approximate age is whatever. Uh, They have really loosened how much Moiraine believes in the sort of letter to the prophecy in terms Mm -hmm. of like that so that Nynaeve can be included as one of the potential dragons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so that's a big one because it is like, you know, when when Loyal meets Rand, he's like, oh, an Isle Man mm-hmm. from the Two Rivers who doesn't know that he is an Isle Man. Yeah. Like, Rand is different. Rand is, and, and you know, it's, it's the problem with adapting a 20-year-old fantasy series is that we are right. going to play into that idea of the Chosen One and sort of the trope of the Chosen One, even with right. all this other great stuff happening. But I do think the show has done a good job of maybe recognizing the importance of every single character 
but we'll see kind of where that goes and how much further they subvert it in the last episode. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I do not believe Rand is the Dragon Reborn, but I don't believe he's not, if that makes sense. Like, I don't yeah. think this is not going to work. This, I mean, obviously, this is not going to work. But, like, um, there's something's going to go wrong. But something could go wrong and he's still the dragon. I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be a situation where Moiraine and Rand are trying to do their thing and he can't do what needs to be done. And, like, the, I think it's going to be, like, because, like, I do believe that a, multi- a combination of a multiple of them is the dragon reborn yeah but, I mean, we we had the scene with Nynaeve where the, she's the only reason they escaped the ways right which I loved mm-hmm. I loved that scene I loved mm-hmm. like how much anger they let her have in her body I think is very mm-hmm. cool um and we know Egwene I think Min says about Nynaeve and Egwene what she sees is a white flame and a gold ring mm-hmm. so there's importance there I I think they need a little bit of help with Perrin Yes. Okay, let's talk about Perrin really quick because you and I, like you texted, I, t- I was texting you during that episode and then when I finished it, I texted you and you were like, I loved every single thing about that episode, episode seven, except one scene. And I was like, was it the one with Perrin? And yes. Because that was super weird and awkward and <sighs> I think they just, I think you're right. I think they don't know what to do with Perrin right now. I'm, I'm sure they'll he'll have a bigger storyline in season two, but like deciding that he was all of a sudden, Rand deciding he's all of a sudden in love with Egwene. I, was it, very weird, and I don't understand. Some people have brought up that there is a scene in the first episode where Perrin doesn't want to leave the celebration for Egwene as being, like, this is where they seeded it. I don't think it was seeded strong enough, personally. Like, I think that they needed that. Because I just rewatched the episode where it's largely Egwene and Perrin on their own mm-hmm. when they meet the Tinkers for the first time or the Tuathan. And there is zero hint of romantic like yeah. that that Perrin feels romance for Egwene there's that he yeah. cares about her there's that he feels protective of her but there is no explicitly romantic or even like lingering glances or yeah. any of that to the to the extent that this episode is telling us yeah that there I don't is. I didn't like I thought it was like I thought it was like Rand reading too much into it until you were just saying this and I was like oh so he does actually have those feelings for her I guess I don't know it's so funny because the show itself tells us it's not important because yeah 20 minutes later Egwene is like I'm not mad about the parent thing that doesn't even matter to me yeah like you didn't think I was loyal to Matt so I just I it it almost feels like there was other dialogue for that scene and they had to fill it when like Matt wasn't there anymore. And I don't, I don't know if that's true. I have no idea, but that is how it feels from the outside. Yeah. It was, it was just very weird. It was, it was very weird. I did not like it. Like, and the fact that they were talking about Egwene like that when she was sitting right there, like they were talking, like, like referring to her and that like, it was, it was just very weird. It felt very threatening in some ways. Like, just just like if I had been the woman they were talking about, I'd be like, fuck guys I'm right here like it's it's like they pulled back on Perrin's story with the wolves like Perrin's story with the wolves is much more aggressive in the first book yeah and I think that that will maybe I think they're gonna give him it seems like they're gonna give him a bigger storyline in season two I just don't know why they would I don't understand the reason for waiting I guess like is like they they've and and to their this is not the show's fault because Perrin in the books gets really frustrating like there are long chapter anyone who's listening to Tarval and her bus like knows how I feel about Perrin <laughs> which I love him but there are many many chapters where like nothing happens and it's just 
like parent and the wolves. Parent brooding. Parent like that's brooding. it. Yeah. I mean that yeah, I mean, that's makes sense. So like fine, fair show. You have what you have to go off of. Yeah. Um did I miss anything? I feel like I hit the big Oh, the fact that uh Moraine sent the red Aja after Matt. <gasps> Mm-hmm. That was a whole. I was just like, "Whoa!" I am hoping that it's a red herring. I'm mm-hmm. I'm hoping that what she is expecting is that they will. Because I'm hoping that she's doing it to make sure that he gets healed, mm-hmm. not for anything else. Mm-hmm. Like I know that she, bec- she she thinks that if he is the dragon, like if mm-hmm. he is the one, and that, I, that he doesn't. It's better that he gets gentled. I don't understand. Here's where I had an issue, actually. I did have one other issue with the the episode, and it's when Lan and Moiraine have this conversation about Matt, and Mm -hmm. it's his inherent darkness. Mm -hmm. Like, something, quote, drew him to the dagger doesn't make sense to me. I disagree with it, and not just because that's my favorite character and my trash son, but the show itself has shown us that even when Matt is making bad decisions, it's out of a hope to support his family and a care for his sisters. That is not inherent darkness. That is about survival when you yeah. don't, you know what it's like to not have enough to survive. Yeah. That makes sense. So like, I didn't um, And that. like, it is a, it's a fundamental, maybe it is that Maureen is fundamentally misunderstanding him. Yeah. Like maybe, I mean, maybe that's, that's point. true. Like, that's but, true. Um, that's a good, like, it that's is, a good call. It's, it's, it's complicated and it's going to be very interesting to see where they pick his story up in season two. Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, assuming that he's not in the next episode. I yeah, I don't think he will be, and I think we'll get this new actor in season two. Again, I have be my very thoughts interesting about... to see like how they like explain it. Like, the, the, are they going to address the appearance change? Is it going to be like some sort of magic that like I don't know. That, that, that 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 like his friends don't even recognize him and like you know what like, I mean? You like, different, they... but. <laughs> Exactly. Like, like, is it gonna? I'm very curious. But um, oh, and then one more thing I wanted to talk about because this is apparently very important, and I did not pick up on this at all. Padden thing. <gasps> right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So apparently, um, he is. So in there's a throwaway line in episode seven where I think it's Rand who's like, I thought I saw. No, it was Perrin. Perrin who's it's like, Rand. And the, what's interesting is it's Rand in the books who does it, but they oh, gave okay. it to Perrin in the show, I think, because he doesn't have enough to do in this episode. Yeah. Perrin's like, I thought I saw Padden Fane. I didn't even know who that was. Like, and I, I do remember the character, but like the name didn't stick with me. And he is the like peddler in episode like two. In episode two, one. One where or, Matt is trying to, I think it's one because of by the, by two, like the they're off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So episode one, it's, he's the peddler where yeah. like Matt is trying to like sell stolen stuff to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so apparently, um, so it is him that walks jauntily through <laughs> the, um, the, 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 the ways, ways, yeah, the door, um, which I did not re- realize that was him. And uh, which implies that he is somehow like affiliated with the, like he was, that, that, that implied to me that he was the one following them, which implies to me that he is affiliated with the dark side, with the dark one. And so that is what I took from that. Yes. But I yes. would have missed it had I not asked you, like, what was the deal with the person walking through the mm-hmm. the ways? The yeah, they've been very subtle with Pat and Fane. There's a shot in the first episode where you see him during the battle in Two Rivers mm-hmm. where he's sort of, like, grinning and leaning against a, a house or something in the midst of the battle. Like, everyone's okay. freaking out. And he just sort of, like, 
easily walks away. Okay. He de- I thought this was the first time we'd seen him since that, but he, um, our Tarvel and Robust Patreon commenters are amazing. And they were like, no, 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 he shows up or his voice shows up or his whistling shows up sort of consistently throughout the series. Okay, okay. And I really like how – so the actor's name is Johan Myers, I believe, and I really like how he Super moves. creepy. So super creepy, super creepy and how jaunty and like sort of like happy he is, which is going to be great for the character moving forward. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm so excited. I love how they She's sort of very sinister. Him. Very like, sinister. Like, it's like like looking back on it. I and like and I'm, I'm I can't believe like I almost missed all of this and I would have completely missed it had I not asked you like who was that walking through because like it, it was very sin- like now that I look back on it and being like oh if he's affiliated with the dark mm-hmm. that is which is like the heavy implication here and especially I didn't catch the scene I don't remember the scene that you're talking about but with that scene like yeah. So he is very sinister, and so um, and he's clearly following them. Yep. Um, and so, okay, so now we're gonna where episode seven left off is Moiraine and Rand have left. Moiraine yes. has cut off her bond with Lon, and they have left. And well, they she are masked going, it. She masked, masked it. it. They are still connected. She just like. But they're going through the blight and yep. going through the to the Dark One's prison, and we don't know what everybody else is going to do, but my guess is they're going to follow them. Yeah, I have and, no idea. Um, yeah, so that's... Because, like, Moiraine, her whole thing is, I don't want to kill all these people. Yeah. So if I know who the Dragon Reborn is, who Rand tells her it's him, and she believes him, um, then, you know... So well, I think that's... he does have the backup of Min, because Rand goes to see Min, mm-hmm. Um and they have a very telling conversation. I like they changed Min's story a little bit. What did remind me what she said because like I don't remember exactly what she said to him and then I was but I was like I didn't see I didn't remember anything in her words that would like have said yes you are the dragon reborn. So she sort of like uh she talks about how she was a kid in Tarvalin and she mm-hmm. saw basically she saw Tam and saw the entire vision of Rand's birth. Mm-hmm. And so Rand's birth coincides with what Moiraine knows about the prophecy that Guitara yes. told her. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's it's basically what we already knew. Yeah. Like, but it's him getting that information. Him getting that information and sort of because we see a glimpse of Tam sort of trying to tell Rand that in because I was that shot of Rand dragging Tam through the woods after the Trolloc attacks, mm-hmm. dragging his father through the woods is one that I missed in that. Like, I was sad not to see it in the first episode. And at the time, I was like, I understand why. It's too much of a giveaway for Rand's importance to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, because in, saw it in And then we saw it in this episode. Because in the books, that scene where Rand and Tam are on their own through the Trolloc eff- attack has a lot of really important clues. Like, there's a point where, like, the one of the Trollocs, like, speaks to Rand. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what is going on? Um, but Tam is trying to tell Rand the story of finding him he's so like delirious he's like mm-hmm. i couldn't leave the baby or whatever he says and so you're kind of getting these like quick flashes yeah of that was why really well done I that was actually the scene that taught me about the perspective thing. like that kind right? of yeah, made it it's so clear so... that perspective how important perspective is in well it's show. so cool i think i'm so excited by it i think it's so neat i know that like people have different interpretations but i thought it was really if that's what they were doing it's a really cool idea to bring it in that way yeah I think that's pretty much everything. All right. 
Um, but I'm really looking forward to the finale and we'll, we'll touch base after again sometime like next week mm-hmm. after Christmas to talk about that. And um, in the meantime, let's see, what, what are you, are we, what are you doing? Uh, so obviously Tarvel and her bus is a yes. big one. Jen and I are going to in January embark on a new spring, which is the prequel book to the series. Um, if you're looking for a jumping in point. Um, yeah, it's awesome. It's really fun. People, we just like talk about nerdy Wheel of Time stuff. I just turned in the second Spider-Man manuscript um, for the sequel to Spider-Man Social Dilemma, which is out in July of next year, the first book. Um, oh, I do have one update. So Avengers Assembly number three, Exchange Students 101, was supposed to come out in January, but they have pushed it to September. Oh, wow. Yeah, September, early, I want to say early September uh, 2022. So that yeah. is something to take note of if you or your kids are reading that series. I am still doing my Wired column, and my year-end um, column should be going up, I think, this week. I'm really excited about it because it kind of talks about how gaming has become integral to my mental health while also talking about how privileged you are to have to like how gaming is getting more expensive Mm -hmm. Um, it's harder to find console it's hard to find like new consoles and yes there are ways you can absolutely do it inexpensively but generally speaking like it's an expensive hobby and if it's crucial to mental health like there's there's just a it's it's a hard dynamic um so i hope um you all enjoy that if you do read that column i've got a cool project coming up um in the new year hopefully uh it's not a done deal yet but we're working on it i can't talk about it yet but i'm really hoping i will have some news for you in like maybe february about it um and then my other news is i am now on tiktok i would have been on tiktok consuming content but not making it but I have decided to, I've really been missing science communication and doing that, doing more of that. So I am basically exclusively talking about science and space on TikTok. I'm not like, it's not a personal, I mean, it is a personal account, but like, it's not like, I'm not talking about like my personal stuff. I'm not, you know, like Twitter is kind of where I talk about everything and TikTok is where I am um, just talking, kind of talking about um, science and space, what's going on. So I'm talking about a lot about JWST. I'm talking about Parker Solar Probe, you know, stuff like that. And so if you're interested, follow me over there. It's Swatna underscore Krishna. Because I did not get I did not get on early enough to find <laughs> my, you know, usual nickname. But we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh we are nope, that's too soon. I skipped part of this. Okay, so what are you doing? What, <laughs> what do you do? Or doing? what are you into? What are you into? Oops. <laughs> what are you into? Listen, it's the end of the year. I We're know, struggling. We're tired. We're struggling. Uh, what am I into? I watched the first episode, like I said earlier, of The Witcher season two um, series, and I loved it. I'm so happy to have grunty Geralt back, even though he's like now dad Geralt, and so he's a little more talkative. Um, it's funny, when I watched the first season, I hadn't played the game, and I yeah. hadn't read the book, so I didn't know anything. And now coming in with a little bit more sort of background knowledge, it's nice to see some of the stories, like some of the characters I recognize from the books and like some of the references, some of the Easter eggs. Um, And I'm just really looking forward to doing more. I was like, now that I've turned all my stuff in for the year, like I am going to watch so much TV. I am very excited about it. And and I imagine, like you said, like we will probably talk about it in the new year um, Mm -hmm. once we both have time to watch. I am still like 
digging deep into DC Comics, I have read so many DC Comics in the last, like, month. Yes. I, like, I genuinely think I've read, like, a thousand comics. Like, I can't I, – I've, like, gone through the history of, like, now all of, like – like, I, I'd read already a lot of Dick Grayson, but now I'm, like, up to date, and I've started, like, subscribing to the Tom Taylor book. Yes. <laughs> so good. Um Bruno Redondo, I think his last name is. The artist is doing such beautiful work in these. Like every every issue is literally a work of art. It is gorgeous. I've read like so much Tim Drake. I've read so much Jason Todd. Like I'm like, I was talking to like our mutual friend Alex Segura the other day. I was like, Robin, like all the Robins are my current hyperfixation, and nobody cares. <laughs> but like all I wanted to do was talk about Robin. It's so upsetting. <laughs> I keep trying to talk to Hero, my sister, about it. And she's like, I don't care. Yeah. I just don't care. I but know. anyways, yeah. DC. I know very little. Although I did read the Nightwing, like, uh, yeah, 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 Nightwing yeah. book from a couple of years ago. And that was Which is great. But... Um, but yeah, it's still going. There was like a brief dip in like the story where you're like, why would you make this choice? But that's just comics for you. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is I finished Mythic Quest season two. Can I just like... Mythic Quest, I think, has done some of the best writing about creating. Interesting. That's on my list of shows, like short list of shows to watch. There is a one-two punch series of episodes in this second season that is like, like, and I said this about the first season, where they just do so much unexpected stuff with how they talk about the act of writing, how they talk about the act of creation and the perception of creators. It's so smart and it's so good. And also this season has Farvish Gina coming on. Oh. as Yeah, right? As Danny Pudi's brother. And they have a lot of really fun interactions because he's, so, uh, he's so good at being like delightfully evil. <laughs> I really like him. So yeah, it's both seasons are are fully out on Apple TV. Like highly, highly recommend them. They're f- so funny. Like in addition to being really thoughtful and really smart, they are freaking hilarious. So like if you've been waiting to watch or if you are considering watching, like I have like I a six month it. free Apple TV's. Like I have like three months left in my free subscription. Do and, it. Like I'm I'm like I'm like trying to consume all the Apple content so I can like cancel until season three. I would like take a break from Ted Lasso and go into Mythic Quest, honestly. Like I Mythic Quest has been I I really like Ted Lasso, but Mythic Quest is I like Ted Lasso, but I can't binge it. Mythic Quest, you will take some like season two, I think it also had my favorite I say favorite, but also like not that that sounds weird after what I'm gonna say right after favorite, which is they had my favorite quarantine episode. (laughs) that dealt with lockdown Mm -hmm. I actually had to take a break from the show after that episode because it was so good and hard-hitting and like represented a lot of what I think a lot of us feel um but overall it's just it's so good and so yeah that's what I'm doing what am I doing um I am oh I'm reading the Holly Black uh, trilogy the Cruel Prince the Wicked King the Queen of Nothing I don't actually know what the trilogy is called Folk of the Air Book of the Air. Um, I've, I like have like made it through The Cruel Prince and The Wicked King. I finished The Wicked King last night. I didn't know that! Yes, I just finished it last night and I didn't text you because it was like 11 p.m. I was like, I have I to was awake! Um, so I'm going to start The Queen of Nothing this week. I don't know when, but um, very good. 
Did you? Very, very good. Preeti is like when I text her and I knew she loved these books, but I text her. I was like, I'm thinking of starting them because I need something that'll like really draw me in. She was like, and I did not know these were literally your favorite books. They're they're like in top five books. Like, yeah, I, I knew you loved them. And like, it's so funny because like as I, when I posted about them on Instagram, like so many people like our friend Ellen came to tell me like, she's like, I love those books. Like so many people came to tell me they love these books. Um, did and- you die at the end of the Wicked King. We don't have to say what it is, obviously. Yes, I, like, I mean, yes, like- I have feelings. I need to talk to I need to talk to you about them because like I did have some feelings about how about what happened. <laughs> but what I really liked is the twists in these books are really good without feeling like cheap twists. Yes. Just, you know, to extend the story. Like they feel like authentic to the characters and true to, you know, and it's it's they're, they're very good and the main character Jude is very well written. So I'm reading those. Um I'm watching Nancy Drew, which is like this series on the CW I didn't know it existed and then I was like just like I was like scrolling through HBO Max and I was like Nancy Drew series and it started it it's on the CW I guess it's like in its third season now I think yeah um it's fine I'm, I'm not like super I don't know why I listed it because I'm like it's fine like right now I'm like three or four episodes in it feels what I like about it is a very Veronica Mars feel that's nice um it's got like the voiceover like they're you know they're they're a little older they're out of high school but waiting to go to college they're not going to college yet and they're like so it's skewers a little bit older and there's like a season long a season long mystery and like there's a voiceover that kind of delves into it. and so I'm, I'm enjoying it and a lot of people have told me they really like it it is really like freaky scary there's a lot of supernatural stuff which i didn't expect given you know nancy hmm. drew um and then um i got to switch oled last week the week before something i'm really liking it um for me i don't know it would be if it would be a good upgrade for everybody for me i have like an og switch and the battery life was like an hour and a half and mm. i always play handheld so the screen between the screen upgrade and the um the battery life on this is like six seven hours like it's really good yeah it's really good Dang. Um, and so I, it, it was a very good upgrade for me. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a great upgrade for everybody. Um, and I've been playing Cozy Grove like nonstop, which is like one of my favorite games. I think I would say one of my favorite games ever. It's like basically if you liked Animal Crossing, but needed more to do. All right. Because okay. it's like you're, it's like, it's like you get all these quests from the, like you're on this island, you're what's called Spirit Scout. And so you have to help these like ghosts oh yeah yeah, to, yeah, yeah 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 like come like to terms with their lives regain their memories and help them like i guess the point is to help them pass like mm-hmm. but i haven't gotten there yet but anyway so like you get stuff to do every day you have to find stuff or do some fishing it's very reminiscent of animal crossing except it's basically quest based which is works okay. for me animal crossing there wasn't quite enough concrete stuff to do so it didn't quite capture me the way like it captured a lot of people Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I did restart Animal Crossing because my island in port got messed up. And so I'm, I'm enjoying taking that a little more slowly because I have something else I'm like, you know, frantically playing. And so I'm taking the first time I played Animal Crossing, I, you know, we were all so desperate because pan- the pandemic was starting that like the slow pace didn't really work for me because I needed something that was a little more all consuming. Um, right. And so like I played it in a way that was not true to the spirit of the game. And so I'm looking forward to going back and doing it. Not correctly, because it's video games. But differently. But differently. So that's what I am doing. Um, Yeah. All right. We are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's N-O-C for Nerds of Color. And thank you so much to our Patreon subscribers. Thank you to Meredith and Rita at the $12 level. And Amber, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Claire, Brian, Robert, Chris, the Knott family, Priya, Keshav, Ruth, and Kavita at the $5 level. 
Uh, you can find us on Twitter at they see geek girls. Um, you can find me on Twitter and basically everything actually Twitter, TikTok, Tumblr, etc. at Run with Skizzers, S K I Z Z E R S. I am at S Krishna on Twitter and Instagram, which by the way, I am also posting for now my TikTok reels on Instagram reels. So if you are not on TikTok, but you would like to see them, you can follow me on Twitter or Twitter and Instagram at S Krishna. Um, I am cross posting some to Twitter, not all. Um, and I'm on TikTok at Swapna underscore Krishna. And uh, until next time, we will we'll see, see you. you in hell. <laughs>